Welcome to Global Digest with me, Davis Ayega, on this 3rd July of 2023. I am joined by my trusted colleague, Labanon Ambisi. Farid Gimani is still away. Hopefully, we will have him back next week on Monday. But uh, to get uh, the show running on the local scene, we'll be talking about what has happened this afternoon. The High Court ruling that the creation of the 50 chief administrative secretary posts were unconstitutional and will delve into Raila's tax boycott push. Will he succeed this time around? And then regionally, we'll talk about African Union troops begin withdrawing from Somalia and then we'll go to Uganda where the country is planning to raise the drinking age to 21 and then we'll wrap the discussion we'll, we'll wrap the discussion up with uh, Elon Musk says that uh, twips are becoming or rather addiction in Twitter is real and it has to reduce with his view limit uh, new strategy welcome Laban thank you very much D- doing okay very, very well. Uh, I was waiting for the editorial, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Now I know. So this afternoon, the High Court has uh, made a bold ruling declaring that the 50 chief administrative secretary post, which were created by President uh, William Bruto, the appointees, the procedure, the process, the post in its entirety is unconstitutional. So this is a big win for Kenyans. And a big loss for President William Ruto. A big win for Kenyans because the cost implication that would have gone into this position is enormous. Because according to the SRC, a CAS is entitled to a monthly salary of 765,188 shillings. Monthly for all the 50 CASs will be, would amount to 38.26 million shillings. Annually, that translates to about 459 million shillings. So really a big win for Kenyans because these amounts, if at all the appeal goes in a different direction, this amount will be saved. But a big loss for the President Laban. What's your assessment on this ruling that was made by the three-judge bench, Laban? Um, I think there are some there are some issues that you you expected that the court would have would have flagged. Um, especially on the issue of the of the of the number, the number being fifty, and the process under which the uh, under which the presidency um, applied in order to 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 basically get his men and women on the job, right? And then, of course, the uh, the one the other issue that was raised was, of course, the issue of cost that the PSC did not factor in the cost of the extra 27 um, cabinet uh, chief chief administrative secretaries when they were adding when they were when they were basically uh, communicating the names to the presidency so i think yes for now kenyans are, can celebrate that at least the courts have stood with them um, earlier in the day people were, were a bit anxious that the courts might 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 be intimidated into into standing with the executive um because the the earlier uh, communication was the court was to make this ruling at nine o'clock but nine o'clock came and went and then another statement was released basically indicating that the the ruling will be will now be made at two thirty so yeah it's a win for kenya uh, by kenyans but we've also seen <coughs> 
We've also seen um, some of the appointees like we had on our bulletin today say that they'll be going to court to challenge, they'll be going to the Court of Appeal basically to seek clarification on various aspects of today's ruling um, when read together with rulings that have been made in other courts. Um, one of the things that actually also came out today was when um, the three-judge bench was making its declaration, it kept making reference to another another case that is alive in the election and the, and the labor, labor court. So they basically just played a, a, a game of, of um, a balancing act, let me put it like that. There's been a flurry of reactions from the court ruling because we've seen some a section of Kenya Kwanzaa leaders and some appointees, the chief administrative secretary, saying that the judges did not issue orders which were needed to be given, considering what they are saying is that the prayers which were sought and not is the, the the orders that came out were different because they are saying the the people who went to court challenging the appointment and the subsequent the process that led to the appointment of these fifty chief administrative secretaries mm-hmm. is not what the three judge bench ruled on. Instead, they came up with their own prayers and issued orders on them. So what exactly did the Law Society of Kenya and the Katiba Institute primarily want out of this case? So basically, LSK and Katiba Institute were very clear. They were challenging the process. Um, Basically, what happened, if we can go back, what happened was there was an advertisement. There was an advertisement for, for 23 CASs, right? The Public Service Commission then um, shortlisted 23 CSS. Only for a few, a few, a few days later, they came back and basically, um, more or less, amended their list. So one of the things that the um, even the court ru- found was there was a process whereby you have 23 people, 23 people who. Were, were justly um, recru- um, taken through a process and then others were added on to that process. Now, if you look even at one of the judges, uh, she says that she, she, in her view, the first 23 should have been allowed to take office. Now, the only problem with, with that, and that is why this, the, the, let, the latter two said, let's just throw out everyone, is that how do you determine the 23 yes who yeah. are the first 23 yes. when you have already you've already mixed them up yeah. so just throw everyone out yeah. and the process comes back again so the government through the attorney general is most definitely going to appeal this and they are going to lodge their appeal at the court of appeal so what are the possible scenarios that are likely to play out at the court of appeal in in regards to what has happened at the high court I think one of the things that um, the court, the the court, the high court has kind of removed from the brief that the AG would have gotten is whether uh, the president can be sued or not while in office. So the high court has said he cannot be sued on constitutional matters. He cannot be sued. I think Katiba Institute will be taking that to to the court of appeal if. Um, the the appointee they would have been appointees go to court of appeal. Um, for the AG, I think it is more or less to defend the government position that we followed the due process and everything was okay. Now, 
the funny thing in the sense that you'd ask why would the AG run to court of appeal when the the court clearly cited him on this on this level that PSC never showed up uh the presidency never showed up they didn't show up in the high court so what are you coming to defend in the court of appeal yeah so it's going to be an interesting thing i think if anything it's going to be the appointees more who will be running to the court of appeal to basically defend their seats so what are what are the chances that the court of appeal will rule that the 50 will either stay or it's either 50 or 23 that will depend with the argument okay will depend with the argument that um whoever will be moving to the court of appeal will be will be will be will basically be making okay yes because i don't i don't foresee a situation whereby you and i were were, were beneficiaries of a, of a process and then i go to i go to an appeal appeal mechanism and say i would like as you consider consider only my case and davis can sort himself out so you just go all 50 of you If you come and kuchanga pesa you put it together you go and and you appeal but it all depends on the case that you will you will put forward okay mm-hmm. my scenario so in case of a re-advertisement for mm-hmm. instance the court says that now the process needs to start afresh the public service commission will have to advertise the position and maybe say either now this time round they say 23 people need to be shortlisted for these positions and then the 23 will have to be, will be shortlisted the vetting process in the national assembly it's another issue we'll talk about mm-hmm. gets to happen will this be will this present an opportunity for president william ruto to de- to redeem himself and appoint the real hustlers to these positions because really the the essence for creating these positions for primarily to give hustlers these positions but we've seen president the uh, former president uhuru kenyatta never really gave the hustlers the opportunity to serve in this positions instead he awarded his cronies and uh, some poll losers the same thing has happened to president william ruto who was very vocal on that this positions he will be rewarding these positions to the real hustlers so will this be an opportunity for him to reward to to redeem himself or will still see the same individuals whom who he appointed be appointed back again it depends with the um, with the with the advice that he will be given so if it will be if he will be told okay so let's go through what the high court has said let's try and sort out the issues that the high court has raised and so one of the way to sort it out is say yes we've agreed with what the high court has said or we have not agreed but in order to save everyone t- everyone's time we have decided we are starting the process afresh so number one, i am going i am um, from this point on i am advertising for 50 um cas posts so psc please look for 50 PA, cass sorry not psc cass so that i can give them a job so from that process once you start from that process going forward everything more or less should should be um getting a tick as you move on but i think the funny thing with this ruling or this uh, development and bbi is the presidency the presidency 
it's like they always seek to believe that they they can they can uh, more or less move everything without due respect to the law um you, you saw the the bbi process was just was flagged down basically because the presidency did stuff that he should not have done in this case it's the presidency um going behind going behind the process of recruitment and saying add another 27 but really here who is at fault because the constitution does not clearly stipulate the number of the chief administrative secretaries who are required to be appointed appointed because we saw the former president Uhuru Kenyatta when he started he appointed 23 mm-hmm. and at the tail end of his tenure he appointed 41 and now here we have president William Ruto who was appointed 50 and that has been challenged so what really needs to be done do we need to involve the national assembly who will then need to come up with a piece of legislation that dictates on the number and how these individuals should be appointed in in office ideally it, there is no mention of a cs yes. or an assistant minister in the constitution right it's just uh, cs ps the end and any other any other structure that the 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 presidency might want to include in in the running of the business now when pre- the former president uhuru kenyatta established this this post it was basically to help the cs the cs in running the, um, the the in the running of ministries yes their their role was basically to go assess assess inspect inspect development whatever and stuff like that but if you look at the um, the executive order that the current president has had had put out he more or less gave them responsibilities um some of which touched on uh had a constitutional um overreach now when even the court today was was making its determination it said this guys you have actually introduced a new structure in in government you have put these guys in between the cs and the ps so this uh, this person the ps will be reporting to this person but this person has no has no is not answerable to anyone is not answerable to the people directly how are you answerable to the people directly it is through parliament now when parliament was given the role the the opportunity to to vet the uh, the 50 speaker wetangula said I, i we cannot vet them because there is nothing in law that gives us the power to to vet them that's another thing because i think the courts were very clear that the appointment of this css mm-hmm. should be done procedurally and members of the public should be able to see their vetting process being undertaken mm-hmm. and when the vetting exercise was was supposed to happen the speaker moses wetangula like you've mentioned he said that there is no clear uh there's no mechanism. Cl- legal mechanism to allow the house to vet this individual so now what happens next in the event that uh, a fresh process is 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 earmarked and uh, people are shortlisted and then vetting it to be undertaken by the national assembly what does the speaker needs to do differently this time round the the interesting thing with the interesting thing with this um with this conversation is when you actually look at the the ruling yeah the the court does not mention the speaker 
yeah but it just faults the the national assembly for failing to do its job um ideally i um i, I, I when we did the same when we did this conversation with farid at uh, in uh, during the breakfast show my opinion was the speaker can use the standing orders which allow him to basically provide for le- a legal mechanism for su- for such instances basically to take place so it's better to 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 have this process happen than to say my hands are tied yeah so i would expect the speaker most probably to give a direction on how this will be done uh, so that at least you don't get another you don't get another setback in this in this whole process all right we are taking a quick short commercial break but we'll be right back this is global digest capital fm Welcome back. This is Global Digest with me Lebanon Ambisi with Lebanon Ambisi and with myself Davis Ayega. <laughs> so we are handling this issue of the Chief Administrative Secretary of Lebanon. The High Court has declared the posts unconstitutional. So like we're having the discussion during the break. So the big issue here is the number 23 of 50. Then I was asking you. So if former president Uhuru Kenyatta when he introduced these positions he would have appointed maybe 30 or 40 mm-hmm. so this would have been the number which would have been cited not 23 correct at 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 this time yes uh, because you usually start with at the first point first point of reference was the first css were 23 then towards the end of uh, kenyatta's reign he decided to add a few more yeah but ideally i think it's just an issue of numbers and can the can can the economy handle it can the public um, can the public sector handle whatever you are you are trying to say because in this case what you are what you are having is you're having 50 50 css being introduced into the public wage bill yeah a public wage bill where everyone is saying we cannot afford it we cannot afford it look we are even suffering i mean you want us to build houses you want an uh, what you call it nhif to be increased you want nssf to be increased and now you are bringing 50 more people who will come with an additional stuff so what do we what, how do we how what what are your priorities that's i think what the kenyans are asking the presidency if it is service delivery then you would actually just look at this the you'd you'd want to have a lean a lean government but the foot soldiers that means the civil servants are the ones who should basically be on the delivery delivery mode can the court of appeal pronounce itself with finality on this matter and say and, and determine the number of the chief administrative secretaries that need to be appointed or the supreme court uh oh, wow that would be interesting i think the supreme court can give a uh, a guide but i'm not cuz ideally the 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 court that has the last say or more or less the final determination on anything dealing with the constitution ideally is the supreme court so unfortunately if the supreme court goes like 50 is unconstitutional you might have to work with anything under 
Okay. So yeah. it can be 49. Yeah. <laughs> because future presidents after President William Ruto, there mm-hmm. will be another president mm-hmm. who will be also interested in appointing some of his political cronies or some of the people who deserve to be given this position. So the issue here is about the number. And uh, so we'll be waiting to see the earliest the government side can go to the Court of Appeal. They uh, It's usually 14 days. 14 days. Yes, because um, the, the, both the sit, the CS appointees and um, the representative of the AG tried to get a stay order for 90 days, but the the court did not allow. So what what will happen is they have 14 days to basically file their appeals. All right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we wait and see. Yeah. Wait and Tw- see. My my bet is we are going all the way to the Supreme Court unless the president decides to start the process all over again. Then I think we might be having a different conversation because there's always that person who always um, has this gospel of we have to have a win-win. So let's see. But, but even as the case continues, I think the concern here to many is during this period, are the CASs earning salary? Are they getting any any of their benefits? And and how sure are we that if they're earning, they're not earning? <laughs> the, on the how sure are we? Yeah. The only person who can make um, that that statement without any fear of contradiction is, um, I think, the control of budget. Okay. Yes. And also the Auditor General when they release their reports. Um, but the courts had actually issued a freeze order that they should not they should not be paid salaries. They should not assume office, and they should not um, they should not get any benefits that would. Um, accrue from from their from their being in office. All right. Yeah. Capital FM. So we are done. Topic number one: that uh, the High Court has now ruled that the f- appointment of the 50 Chief Administrative Secretary was done unconstitutionally, and now we are entering into our second topic of discussion, which is Raila Odinga launches new initiative civil disobedience that he is uh, primarily anchored on tax boy- boycott. So the Azmio leader was out of the country for a couple of weeks uh, until he returned last week and announced a raft of new strategies to counter President William Bruto's administration. But even before we get to address his new strategies, let's talk about his failed attempts to date. Uh, we saw the Azmio leader uh, losing his petition at the Supreme Court where the judges uh, say that his petition challenging President William Bruce's victory was basically hot air. Uh, we've seen up to date uh, the former Prime Minister is still refusing to recognize Ruto's presidency. His uh, much hyped match to State House really never materialized. Uh, then he, he introduced other product boycotts. Uh, then there was secession calls and then there was that ICC petition that they petitioned the ICC over cases of police brutality during their past uh, uh, demonstrations and protests and then to date we've never seen him release the IEBC whistleblower results which he claims that those are the authentic results that indicate that he was validly elected by the electorate. So these are significant failures and they continue to dent Riley's influence. Do you agree? (laughs) 
it depends with how but anyway it would depend with how you'd want to to phrase them right but also uh, when you're looking at all those um pointers that you've used they are dealing with different issues um the electoral electoral um the electoral defeat um both at uh, at in front of the IBC and the Supreme Court is is something else um when you put it together with dealing with a government that is is properly in place i think you'd have to look at a different variable um in this case he actually is losing a lot of a lot of his foot soldiers and i think even going into the election one of the things that people are most political insiders were worried about is that he doesn't seem to have that command that he had uh, with before with the subsequent elections in this election he he looked a bit um exposed yeah and unfortunately now uh, someone was pointing out that the problem with azimio is not Raila. it is his it is the dependent the way people are de- are depending on him more than depending than trying to push the agenda yeah so even in this case you are seeing it that everyone knows the um, the, the 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 cost of living is too high yeah everyone knows there are certain things that need to be stopped but people were not moving everyone was waiting for when is baba coming back Okay. Mm-hmm. So on Tuesday last week he announced the new strategies, a uh, campaign of defiance and civil disobedience. So they include tax boycotts to deny government the full tax by limiting consumption of petrol and diesel, suggested carpooling, cut down on non-essential travel, walking instead of driving. Then he asked Matatus to maintain the current fare but double their carrying capacity as part of the civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. He asked the business owners to disable or avoid electronic tax registers, make nil returns on VAT and instead give discounts to customers, employers to ignore the deductions, called on social media users to name and members of parliament who voted for the finance bill. Really, are these strategies part of Riley's last rule, and what are the chances that they will yield results? There are some that are yielding results. Which um, ones but it, for instance, people calling out the the MPs okay, who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the MPs yes. who voted yes, and even on is. the ground, there are MPs who are having already a hard yeah, time. Yeah, that I agree. Just attending a football match. Yes. Yeah. Um, the the some the the ones that will require corporates to basically go against the government are the ones that are are a, are a bit difficult to 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 effect. But you can see what he's doing is he's basically trying to push this agenda away from him. He's now pushing it to Davis and the Labans and saying, guys. It is now up to you. You are the ones who who are who are complaining that you are suffering, that you can't sh- you can't shoulder this thing anymore. Um, if you are to use the the analogy he keeps using, punda imechoka, the 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 donkey is is tired. Yeah, if the donkey does not does not sit down, it keeps walking. 
the owner will will put more load on it but in terms of pr- practicability laban how practical are these uh, proposals that he has given for instance the issue of tax boycott like we were having this discussion when he announced it so for instance we go to the supermarket a loaf of bread is uh, uh, currently at Uh, depending on where you buy it and which mm. brand for mm. for instance if it's 60 shillings so you tell the supermarket uh, person that I'll buy I'll only buy the bread if you deduct 16% or 8% how viable is this you're actually supposed to just give him minus vat minus vat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you you're basically supposed to just calculate this is how much it comes to minus vat and just give him but That's why I said where it deals with corporates it's going to be a bit difficult because even them as legal entities they are just suppo- they are they're supposed to meet certain uh, taxation measures unless those entities themselves are the ones who decide we are going to roll out um uh, if he has any companies I would like to see if indeed they are they are not meeting the statutory deductions and stuff like that that they're supposed to basically do um i think if you are supposed to do that you're supposed to go to court and get some sort of order or something like that i don't know some sort of order that says because we are in in what do you call it in dispute with government we have created a special fund here and we'll be depositing everything here when we've sorted our issue they can come and take but i i i doubt there's anyone um who wants to to be on the wrong side of uh, kiare right now a section of kenya kwanza leaders have likened him with his new push to boycott taxes mm-hmm. and other issues they've likened him to an economic bandit do you agree with this accusation that indeed raila odinga is going overboard or it's it's a case of him running out of options so he's giving out the things that he tends to think can work but in real sense their practicability is is nil but what is the subject the subject is um y- when you're you telling are, Kenyans you're having you're having a pro- you're having an issue yeah. with government saying they are going to do this this and this and this to raise money how does government raise money through taxation yes so he's basically saying if you are in disagreement with how government is doing xyz yes he, then deny them deny them that that bit that they want because the, if you give them the money they will not see a problem when you're telling employers to 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 avoid deducting the statutory deductions like now the nhif the housing levy mm-hmm. Is he being an economic bandit because he's telling employers to go against the law and do what is not required in law? I was looking for a um an uh, a, a, a country or a time when that worked. And unfortunately I have not found it. But I'm very sure there are peop- there are older people who would actually go like oh yeah it happened sometime but you'd have to go back past the electronic age 
first the electronic age it's uh, it's possible in this electronic era unfortunately it's, it's a bit difficult and if you actually consider last friday uh, the president was launching um uh, gavam fukoni basically putting 5000 services the 5000 government services um on e citizen which will basically mean all the most of the services that we interact with on a day to day will be on 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 the palm of your hand so it's going to be a bit a bit difficult like for instance um if you tried to apply for a passport and it told you you needed to pay 1050 shillings it just doesn't if you put uh, 1000 1000 shillings it it will still not complete the process so part of raila's new clamor is driven by the allegation that president ruto betrayed kenyans when he signed the finance bill into mm-hmm. law that's making life unbearable to a majority of us kenyans if not all so on his side and looking at the country's current political and economic situation how sincere do you think raila is never mind that he has previously maintained he's not interested in a handshake with president ruto so um so how sincere is he yes how sincere is he it's only him who can tell but i'm i'm very sure if because you've seen you've seen the stories that were coming were coming into the newsroom before the signing of the of of the finance finance bill then and even when the mp's were were debating kenyans were saying please reduce this please defer um the implementation of this it's not a priority right now but what the, what did the mp's do the mp's passed it when it came to the presidency the, the some kenyans were we are appealing to you mr president we are the hustlers we are suffering please don't do it and the president ascended to it and said yeah we are we'll, we we move on so whether he has betrayed whether he has betrayed kenyans the only person who can speak to that is that one kenyan that one kenyan at a time who feels that they have been betrayed because there are other kenyans who feel that this is actually the way to go give him time and you will see okay mm-hmm. so this is a crucial week for the coalition because uh raila is expected to lead a, a protest on friday mm-hmm. sabah sabade at the kamukunju grounds how impactful do you think the protest will be and does he have what it takes to rekindle the revolution that occurred 33 years ago first and foremost 33 years is a long time ago I agree. Where was I? Anyway, <laughs> I, I, it's a long time ago. And again, the the what influenced the the Sabasaba rallies, the Sabasaba protests then is very different from what we are seeing now. The issue right now is on the issue of finance bill, the cost of living. Yeah. The issue then was political rights. it's i think it's easy to get people around political rights then because everyone wanted to to experience what what is this multipartism all about what is this what is this these people are talking about that i can vote and i can feel the power of my vote i can be able to 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 see other leaders except the ones who are in the then ruling party kanu but in this in this case and i think that's where um the former prime minister and his handlers are really failing they are failing in making their point 
what are you really trying to say when for instance you tell me to boycott taxes when what are you trying to, to say when you're telling matatus to and by the way the, some matatus have actually by default actually do that like just have an extra person sits with you and stuff like that but make your point and i think even the campaigns you see Rayla usually struggles or his team usually struggles to get that point across this is what we want to do for you kenyans this is what sabasaba will mean for 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 kenyans i uh, you would want to look at um places for instance when um julius malema called for a protest in south africa people turned up but they knew why they were turning up yeah um recently when france yeah. was was going up in in arms they knew what they were they were turning up for the reforms against the the pension and even uh, even recently when they were they were going up in arms because a, a young man was shot by police they knew what they were turning up for but in this case you just kept hearing even at the rally you just kept hearing people say twende maandamano twende maandamano so, so Levan, clearly there's a lot of public anger that Raila needs to exploit but apparently like you've even hearing you correctly he's not doing so much to ensure that the people are united in this cause that's the case and what what does he need what does he need to do differently in the event the friday kamukunji sabasaba rally fails to really kick off and have and and be impactful i i i think the level at which he will you you will measure his success stroke impactfulness is how if he will be able to what do you call it to more or less um suspend business in in nairobi or even within within and without the country because i think even his support base has kind of let him down because they never turn up in other 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 parts of the country for instance in coast um uh, you don't see I, i would i would say even if you are an online person look for a way to make that point on that day make a point it i think it the more you the more kenyans don't don't sound like they're frustrated the more it looks like everything things is okay are normal. Yeah, yeah things are okay so uh, it's the messaging I, i mean i keep saying i would lay, i would have loved to see uh william ruto on the on the on the opposite side of this conversation with the hustler nation it would have been a different a different story he would have said wekeni matatu nyumbani and you would have seen it happening you know because okay. at that point he had the the command of that of that um of that group of people okay so we wait and see uh, on what will really happen on friday and if uh, kenyans will turn up to demand for a reduction of the 
basic prices of the basic prices of commodities which continue to skyrocket especially now that we have this finance act 2023 in place never mind the 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 the, the court's ruling that suspended its implementation we switch gears we go regionally and the african union troops have begun withdrawing from somalia laban so this was sanctioned by the united nations security council so the first phase of the trip reduction is already complete is this a good or a bad thing for Somalia? Ideally, it's a good thing for them. If you are a sovereign state, yes, it's a good thing for you because it basically shows that you are you are on your way to standing on your own feet. And especially for a country like Somalia, they have spent so much time um, trying to prove to everyone that we are we are we have come of age um even at some point they picked our um, a bat, uh, they picked a, a battle a court case battle with Kenya and in regards issue. with the maritime yeah. issue and they won yeah um so at some and then now they are asking people okay now give us space so that we can run our affairs i think i think the issue here is the Al-Shabaab militants have been waging an insurgency in the troubled country for more than 15 years. Mm-hmm. So do you think the Somali army and the police really have what it takes and are they well equipped to combat and tame this militant? The the whole point of people leaving, uh, the, the AU troops leaving, is once you feel like these guys can actually handle themselves for instance the the places that um, um the burundi and uganda um troops have left it is you leave and you hand over to now the somali national army and ideally the current president has uh, the current somali president has done quite so much in ensuring and in reassuring the international community that he can run their affairs and also bring the the different parties together um i think he's he's one of those ones who has had a relatively um calm calmer term um in the sense that you have not had so many cases of infighting within the the federal government yeah so I think it's something to, to, to watch out for. So the withdrawal comes at a time when Kenya and Somalia have agreed to a faced border reopening after more than a decade. Mm-hmm. Good thing or a bad thing for Kenya, especially coming at a time when more than 20 people, including security officers, have been killed this month alone as suspected Al-Shabaab terrorists launched deadly attacks in the frontier counties of Garissa, Wajir, Mandera and Lamu. And a few few minutes ago, we saw that the Defence Cabinet Secretary, uh, Aidan Duali, has been uh, summoned by uh, the National Assembly to respond to these issues, whether the phased reopening of the Kenya-Somali border is a good thing for the country, coming at a time when the withdrawal is taking place, and now we are seeing this attacks in, in Kenya. Um, one, of our, one of our reporters, Brohan, usually says it's a good thing except for several two border points where he says it's most problematic. So I think it will be, and even when you look at how um, 
uh, former president Kenyatta and the current administration while are looking at it they're looking at it in the sense that it will give Kenya the opportunity to basically draw its troops back into the country and basically secure the border now from this side as opposed to being on the other side now when you look at um when the al shabab um kept on 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 hitting Kenya when they started it just started uh, more or less as uh, as as a game if i if i can if i can use that casual phrase yes and then when uh pres- former president kibaki basically ordered the kdf to to go into somalia that was um, back in 2011 yeah yes yeah. um using uh, um a section of the un un convention yeah basically that allows one uh, a sovereign state to pursue people who have more or less caused trouble in their own, in 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 another country yes at that point is when the motive of the al shabab changed that they then said they were now carrying out attacks in Kenya because we were an ev- an, inv- an invading force in their own country right so when we pull back yeah I think they will now have they might not have a, a reason to to come this side or they might they, they maybe they have been dealt with you never know but it will also give Somalia a chance to show that they can deal with that with that um uh, with that menace once and for all okay my final question on this subject Lavan in the month of February this year mm-hmm. The leaders of Somalia and neighboring countries including in Kenya, Djibouti and Ethiopia vowed at a summit mm-hmm. to make the final push against the Al-Shabaab as a wide-ranging offensive against the militants. Since the summit, do you think there has been much progress to tame the Al-Shabaab militia considering now we are having this discussion of 20 uh, people being killed in our frontier counties and uh, then there was this summit has there been really any significant progress coming at a time again that the United Nations has sanctioned this move for the withdrawal of troops from Somalia I think one of the things it's it's going to be one of those things that you'd want to hear um for instance um interior cabinet secretary uh uh Kindiki give um in form of his accountability report because he usually does most of those ones um especially when he's when we look at what happens when the four border points are opened are reopened yeah um but it will be one of those things whereby you are looking at the Kenyan side and looking also at the Somali side because you it would be unfair to basically just judge from one side because on one on on the somali side they are saying we are doing much better we are able to do business we are able to contain certain elements we have been able to crack down on certain areas and on kenyan on the kenyan side also there are certain lessons that we have learned so how will we basically now bring it on this other side and make it count all right lavan mm. okay we Switch gears to topic number 2 originally where Uganda plans to raise the drinking age to 21 so the Ugandan government has announced plans to increase the legal age for consuming alcohol from 18 to 21 
So the decision by the Ugandan government to increase the age is uh, because that according to the World Health Statistics 2023 report, Uganda ranks among the leading countries for high rates of alcohol consumption. So according to the agency's report, it is estimated that Ugandans currently consume 12.2 litres of alcohol per person annually, which is significantly higher and the global average and here all along i thought kenya we were the <laughs> drinking nation apparently not what comes to your mind love and is this something that sh- we should consider here in kenya from 18 to 21 i don't know what the figure 21 will will change so the research said uh-huh. that people who have not taken any addictive substance by the age of 21 they are less likely to use any addictive substance later in life that's the number as the age 21 yeah so the question the the i remember you telling me so i i was asking myself so why 18 why 21 like it just didn't so one of the i think if it works if their suggestion is is if the suggestion is actually accurate then i think also we should we should um have it yeah we should have it here and maybe um their version of nakada should have a sit down with a deputy president he is also a man on on a mission to basically help um regions that are suffering from um alcohol and substance abuse but if you actually see um uh, a country is is willing or is thinking about raising the um, the age the, lev- the age limit or the limits whereby they can consider you to be uh, able to make your own decisions then i think they i think that decision must be affa- must be um informed by something else other than just that if you haven't touched um, a bottle of their famous traditional brew uh, by the by the age of 16 or something by 21 you chances are you will not touch it i because in kenya there are some pe- there are some there are some areas where you would find someone has not touched has never touched an alcoholic beverage um, by the age of 18 but when they get to the age of majority they become something else okay Leba. yeah what i'll tell you for sure is that all indications are once the alcohol control bill will be presented in parliament it is likely to pass given that president joeri museveni has been at the forefront of implementing measures to regulate alcohol production distribution and consumption what i'm not sure of is whether the old man drinks or not he will tell me later i think in our next episode on our final discussion, we have an international topic is Elon Musk is back at it again mm-hmm. from users having to pay for them to be verified and now limiting what users need to see on Twitter. He says there's a lot of addiction which really needs to be tamed in, on Twitter. Do you agree? He says that people really need to go out there, socialize, mingle, and uh, connect instead of just spending lots and lots of time on Twitter. I like your, uh, I like your final two subjects. <laughs> Both deal with addiction. <laughs> uh, so um, it's it's funny that he says people are not socializing more and everything like that. 
um, if you go back to a neighboring country here, Uganda, when the when they were voting, um, I remember the president switched off uh, the, their internet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he said because people are doing the very same thing Elon Musk is saying now. Yeah, but the funny thing is, Elon Musk owns an app that basically requires you to more or less be seated at a place and not talking directly face to face with someone but talking taping it out and sending it across the world or to another planet if you wish yeah but the, um, the m- one of the things that has he he noted was he wants to deny um the u- to deny certain elements of ai artificial intelligence to be used in 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 Twitter that basically those uh, those AI um, chat box chat boxes are usually taking information from Twitter and then they they use it to basically make themselves look smarter. So that is what the uh, he he's trying to control. But he's also trying to basically ensure that those those um, those those ins- those organizations or those. Um, uh, th- th- those applications are more or less bringing, giving him, uh, paying him for basically accessing that information from his um, from his platform. All right. Yeah. He says he's doing a good deed for yes. the world. I actually think <laughs> if we didn't know that there was there was an there was a there was someone else who's collecting information on my behalf for instance um the other day we were doing a cha- um a search on uh chat uh the, the gpt yes <laughs> we were looking uh, and we searched my name yeah and that thing came out as if it knew who i was like totally giving me giving uh, um Bruhan, my colleague, uh, a total description of me, except for two or three issues okay. where it got wrong, including um, saying that I have won a CNN Journalist of the Year award. Okay. But yeah, so such kind of things is what he's trying to limit. But there are people who don't like their mode of communications being limited. All right. Thank you very much, Laban, uh, and our dear listener for tuning into us and listening to what we had prepared for you hope we've digested it uh, accordingly uh, so for catch up on the latest episode as well as the previous episodes on global digest on capital fm sounds soundcloud page or anywhere else you access your podcast from my name is davis ayega <laughs>